You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Great to have you with us. Time for Counterpoint. Let's bring in David Wills. He is senior VP over at Media Profile. He's also a strategist on a number of political campaigns. That's your title today. That is. Thank you. And Michael Van Solen, principal over at Navigator, also strategy and public affairs. All right, guys. So it's budget day. Woohoo. Woohoo. And I, I would I would kind of say that overall, I think Canadians are the loser here, losers here because this is all about uh, a budget that is buying the next vote. It's all these progressive pa- uh, platitudes. But really, Mike, it's all only about serving the special interests. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, I mean, this is virtue signaling uh, on drugs. I got triggered by this budget. Um, <laughs> and, and what, well, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean... And there's a lot of you know you some might argue some worthwhile goals uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, language goals. about a lot of language about uh, pay equity as well and uh, but you know of course no costing for that as a fiscal conservative what really hurts and and scares me about this document is just the flagrant uh, spending uh, you know eighteen point one million dollar deficit Bil- this b- time b- billion billion million deficit no plan to get to balance I mean this was the budget that was supposed to bring them back to balance so, you know, if we go back to the campaign of course the prime minister promised just three ten billion dollar teensy weensy teensy weensy deficits and then the, the budget would balance itself and unfortunately we've actually come through a relatively uh, robust and healthy time for our economy and now we're heading into some headwinds and they've given up all that latitude that they might have had if they'd just been a little bit more disciplined to start out. Uh, we now see uh, inflation rising. We now, of, of course, have uh, interest rates going up. So uh, things are really going to inspire against this. And it's amazing to me that this isn't a document going into an election. They still have their, <laughs> they still have their election budget to come. So um, look, uh, I, I don't think for Canadians who care about the health of our economy, this was a good day. There, there's no preparation in this in this um, budget for if NAFTA falls off the rails, if in fact tariffs are thrown at, at you know certain business um, sectors in our economy. There is no dealing with tax issues or tax breaks for small business. Literally, we are now uncompetitive in Canada, David. And there's no plan to change that because no one we can't get resource to market. It's like everyone's just campaigning all the time. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think one of the things that's really missing, and I'm not going to lay this just on Justin Trudeau because it's been, yeah. I don't know how many budgets in a row, that they're not tackling the big elephant in the room, which are loopholes. So, you know, we we have these stated things. Oh, the Canada's corporate tax rate is 26%. Research shows that Canadian corporations are paying 178 or something like that. If that's what the tax rate should be, then that's fine. But the problem is that there's some businesses who are eligible for it and getting it and others that aren't. So they are picking winners and losers, but they're terrified, just like every other finance minister before him, to tackle those things. If they cleaned that up, simplified it up, then we could have a more competitive tax rate that you know you want to go and market uh, against the United States and other things. But we still have these things where the, the loopholes that are there are there for the entitled and the elite and those that have certain special privileges and not for everybody. Right, but here was an opportunity and you had a couple of months to watch what Trump's doing. He's lowered the tax rates there to, to incredibly low. They're they're now lower than our, our country. You've seen him making these changes. You see him blowing all this hot air about, about uh, NAFTA. 
I just don't understand why they wouldn't have said, okay, guys, we do have to do something in this budget to make sure that businesses can at least compete. Right. And I, and I think Canadians would have accepted that. Canadians are watching what Donald Trump is doing. And I think they would have had an opportunity six months back to start laying the seeds and saying, hey, this is the reality we're in. We have some very serious negotiations going forward with NAFTA. We don't quite know where they are. We're optimistic Canadians. I would have supported but it. We, but we need to be careful yeah. at this time. Yeah. Um, and they didn't do that. Uh, and, and they're throwing money around. Uh, you know, what, what really, you know, dr- drives me crazy is that even some of the promises in here that aren't even costed. And they couldn't even, ima- <laughs> they couldn't even imagine costing it. And, like Pharmacare? And, and if this is about getting elected, as well, I wonder, are they really that scared of Jugmeet Singh? He he hasn't struck me as being particularly effective yet in his leadership roles, but they certainly seem to be rushing to grab anything that he might uh, campaign on in the future. Well, because he looks better probably in the Indian dress uh, than than Mr. Trudeau. So well, he's could, a little more authentic. Yeah, in exactly. Yeah. You know, let me let me play you because uh, Jagmeet Singh, I think, look, they've outlefted him. I think it's very specifically done. They stole his pharmacare plan idea. No, they haven't. Well, but. yeah, they turned theirs into a study, but he, he wanted to do something with the National uh, Pharmacare. But here, here's what he his reaction was. Our finance critic and I, uh, Peter Gilly and I, proposed a plan to do that. We proposed two solutions to finance it. One is closing CEO stock options, including uh, increasing capital gains inclusion on the ultra-rich to augment revenue, as well as cracking down on uh, offshore tax havens. This would, uh, we, we estimated, uh, about 4 to $5 billion, and that's on the lower end of what it would take to implement a pharmacare plan. Uh, that would be a, a concrete measure, a concrete step to show that we're not just talking about Pharmacare. We're actually talking about how to get it in 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 place. So, David, they they announced this pharmacare. It was supposed to be a plan. It's now a study. And Dr. Hoskins, um, <laughs> who's going to be running this, quit his job. You know, five p.m. yesterday, and now he's got a new job. So he's up and left uh, the sinking ship. But again, it's a study. Yeah. Spoiler alert: the study will finish sometime just after the next election. Right. You have to vote for them so to we- get. You know, the results of the study. We've all seen this movie before, so we know how it goes. The, you know, I think that this is a, gee, we don't have any good ideas of our own. Let's steal them from others. And you know, the that's what Eric Hoskins has been part of. They do that in Ontario. Uh, you know, they they write of ideas. They look in Andrew Horvath's basket and they say, oh, you know, that one seems to be popular. Pharmacare was popular. If you poll people, it is. The thing with pharmacare is you have to define what you mean by pharmacare. So if they went in, right. like the, the, if you want the platinum version, it's a $26 billion expenditure. That's if the federal government took everything. So what the provinces are paying, what the private plans yeah. are paying, what people are paying. You know, that's the Cadillac. And which provinces already have a plan? Like how would you deal well, with well, Ontario? We've already got this plan. Well, no, but there's also, there, there's the 25 and under plan yeah. that they have, but there's also for seniors and right. other things that provinces do. So if you took it all in and made it a federal program, it would cost $26 billion. Yep. And, you know, then... You know, you guys like these, you know, value for money audit kind of things that, you know, you're probably going to wrestle down some prices of drugs, save a little bit of money. That's a big, big program. Sure. But you can make it any size you want. It can Dr. Be, Hoskins is our man. Well, it's He's, it's he's gonna, done great with the Ontario health care. But we're so. going to end up with something silly like the 25 and under because right. it's arbitrary. Um, you know, it our, sounds good. Well, you know, as a 22-year-old that, you know, wants, um, you know, some medication more important than a 55-year-old who can't afford pills or is cutting them in half because they can't do their full prescription because they can't afford it, it's 
there, there's nothing scientific, there's nothing evidence-based about that cutoff age. Right. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the $2 billion, because they're going to do $2 billion in foreign spending. It might appease, you know, the Security Council, which Justin Trudeau's, you know, determined to get a seat on. But you got a prime minister who just a few weeks ago told vets that they're greedy and they ask too much. And, you know, we're sending $2 billion out of country. I don't understand that. No, I don't know. Um, I mean, he really does have to improve uh, his image on the world stage after what took place in <laughs> India. And, but I think that starts with not spending his way to earn respect. I think he has to be more substantive on the world stage and in the addressing the real issues. <laughs> that was him. <laughs> Words that come back to haunt. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's where it begins. And I think that's in part what we see with Andrew Scheer talking about Jerusalem and, and recognizing it as the capital of Israel. I think Andrew Scheer, we could talk about that issue. Um, I know we considered it. I think that's about showing his bona fides on, on, the, on, the, on the foreign policy stage. I mean, this is what Harper did so well. And this is where Trudeau's showmanship uh, falls apart when it's not backed up by the substance that re- required right. for those for those uh, policy areas. Yeah, and last point to you. Well, I think Andrew Shear was totally well, pandering well, on, on that on. issue. I, like, let, we'll do one. that in the second just, one. Okay. Okay, so I sure. st- but I want to stick to the two billion because well, I think, I we think send it, so much money out of country, but we, we don't, don't take care of our own. Well, you know, there was a time under Brian Mulroney, Joe Clark was the uh, foreign minister. Where we spent a lot more money on the international stage, we took a greater responsibility, and that's been scaled back over time. Well, we took care of our vets at that point. Yeah, we yeah, did. We I'm not saying that it's one or the other. Yeah. The but I'm just saying that you know the our responsibility on the world scale or on the world stage shouldn't go away. No. But they should be paying for the vets. Absolutely. Sure. I, that's not. I don't think it's a pick one or the other because if we're going to pick one or the other, I'll pick other things that they can go and they'll, they'll go to the vets. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, I got to take a quick break here at 828. And when we come back, we will pick up that uh, comment that Andrew Shear made about uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That's coming up here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Jerusalem doesn't even have a consular office uh, where uh, people in Jerusalem can have, where the government officials can have uh, support from a Canadian uh, diplomatic point of view. So those are areas that we can certainly look towards. Most of our allies, the UK, uh, other countries, they do have a consular presence in Jerusalem. I think that's that's an easy place to start. All right, that is uh, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, uh, who says that if elected in 2019, he will recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And this, of course, follows Donald Trump's declaration just a couple of months ago. David, um, clearly they're all trying to establish themselves for the next vote. I I, I don't uh, have an issue at all with this statement. Well, I guess my issue is that I think that, A, that he's pandering, yep. that he's trying to draw a line between him and Justin Trudeau. He's following in on the the, the Trump statements. So he's um, being a politician. He's being a politician. <laughs> but I don't think, I. there's nothing that I know about in Andrew Scheer's background that makes him qualified to do these statements. So that that's, you know, the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is complicated. Mm-hmm. If he's going to go in on Jerusalem, he better be going in on a stand on the settlements. And he hasn't, you know, he has avoided all of that. So... What's his full picture on this? He can't just pick and choose these things just to be um, just to be an ass. I don't. I think that it's dangerous. I think it's. I think it's irresponsible to both Jewish community and to the Palestinian community in this country to just throw that out there like this. Yeah, we're in such a heavy news cycle. It did kind of come out of nowhere. I'm not sure, uh, and might maybe I missed it, but I'm not sure where the comment came out of because, of course, you have Justin Trudeau in the taking up all the oxygen in the room. Right. But he did say this comment. So, what's the purpose? 
Well, well, I think he is speaking in part to the uh, Jewish community in Canada. Yeah, I mean that's not a, and it's not a big group. Uh, you know, no, so that's that's really important in a couple writings. So you know, I don't see it as election pandering, but I do think it is speaking directly to to those communities, and it is a complicated issue uh, with with a lot of different ramifications. And the Middle East is always complicated. I'm not sure if there's another clip. I thought he talked about an embassy, but just talking about consular services, like having a consulate. Uh, there are uh, major Western nations that do have a consulate in uh, Jerusalem, and I think it's a totally appropriate thing. And if that's how he's sort of stepping into this issue, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I mean, his two, his, two, uh, his two rivals will not take that position, certainly not Jagmeet Singh, and it is what it is. It is the capital, so well, let's and, recognize it. Right, and, and, and Justin Trudeau was so quick to distance himself from Donald Trump, like immediately said he would not go there. Um, but this is a complicated issue. This wasn't just Donald Trump being, uh, uh, you know, crazy, you know, outlandish as he as he can be. Th- this is a response uh, to what Obama and the U- UN did in sure. 2006, as Obama was out out of his way, uh, on his way out of the, out of the White House when they passed a security resolution that really said that it was illegal for the the, the Jews uh, to be in Eastern Jerusalem at all, and so. The, the principle of, of countries not putting their embassy in Jerusalem was about, look, let's solve the peace process, we're not going to get involved, and that was sort of the status quo that had been kept in place for many, many, like, decades. And when Obama and the UN passed that resolution, that sort of upset the the apple cart. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump has tried to sort of put the balance back. Well, he you, stood on the, so he, he's, he may be bombastic. But he does tend to stand on the right side of history on very complex issues. We could sit here for hours and debate this relationship. And it doesn't mean Israel doesn't do things wrong. But you can't change the fact that it is the capital. I'll give the last point to you on this. Well, I think you also can't ignore that the Palestinians claim East Jerusalem as theirs. But it's not. So, well, but sa- it's not. says you, says them. Well, the- says the United Nations. Well, I mean, if, it's been established. It, it's a fact we cannot change. It will not be changed, and the Jewish but, Jews but will you're, not change you're, it. You're picking, you're picking only parts of that argument. They've, the United Nations has also said about the settlements, but that's okay that's to continue on. That is a different well, issue. And, and there are many, many Jews that's, who that's will also say that's not that right. This, this is why you're going in, this is pandering, because it's going in on one issue, which is, I'm going to say this, boom, and and get out. It does nothing to advance the peace process. It does nothing to lower the temperature in that region. But it does and make it does, take a position. It does nothing to further those sides to to negotiate a settlement because they're like, well, if the United States will do this, we can keep pushing. Well, so then it, I don't know. It, it's, if I wouldn't say that. I I just stress that this all got upset with the UN Security Council resolution in 2016 when Obama was essentially a lame duck president, and he allowed that to go through. It would the appropriate thing for him to do at that time would have been to use his veto and say, "Look, we're not getting involved in this." Like, but with all due respect, I don't think Andrew Shear had any of that thought process going into what he said. That, yeah, that's I mean, my point. I'm not sure the context. I'm going to look further into what prompted the question because it kind of came out of nowhere yesterday because everyone was talking about the next issue. I want to play you a clip of question period, which Justin Trudeau did not attend yesterday because he had the sleepies. Uh, but he did attend today, and here was Mr. Shear asking him a pretty basic question. Will the Prime Minister tell the House whether or not anyone in his office arranged, organized, or participated in the media briefing provided to reporters that included the allegation that the government of India was somehow involved in his embarrassing blunder in India? Right, Honourable Prime Minister. 
you, Mr. Speaker. I can understand where the opposition finds this difficult because for 10 years they uh, used uh, the, the professional public service uh, for partisan ed ends. Uh, they torqued the public service every possible way they could, and they do not understand that our professional non-partisan public service does high quality work and when uh, one of our top diplomats and security officials uh, says something to Canadians it's because they know it to be true oh god he, he look it's a very badly written talking point but you can tell he has uh, yet to polish it bottom line is he's trying to convince everybody that uh, someone in in the civil service is you know doing the right thing who is nonpartisan but clearly took a partisan position i think this is going to dog him well, I think we got to remember that it's never been called answer period, right? So, <laughs> talking point period. <laughs> the, well, that wasn't even a good talking point. That was just <laughs> like, a, what is he saying? Well, it would just answer whatever you want, yeah. but it doesn't matter what the question is. The you know, I think that he's not the first prime minister to answer that way. I think this one is you know amusing and awkward and everything else, but. It's you not know, the awkwardness. Stephen it's the, Harper didn't answer no, every no, no, question but directly the, it's, it's, that was asked it's, it's to him not, either. It's the issue that bothers me. They had a top civil servant run interference for the government. That's right. well. Well, I just I think, and I think he's being careful. And, and the we could talk. We can suggest that the talking points could be improved, and they probably should. But I, I think the difficulty is the talking points can only get so good because there were so many mistakes made along mm. the way yeah. in the in, in the conception of this uh, this trip, the execution of this trip, and now the... Uh, well, what and now, the purpose of the trip was. Well, they, literally, they could have had th- like three hours of conference calls for all the substance uh, there was in actual meetings. So this is going to be a problematic, and uh, you know, I still, the big shoe, I still think the drop is the cost of this. Yeah, well, like, yeah, and that cost. will come out. And Not it's just good. the cost of the family going over, but the cost of what we lost in potential business. Last point to you. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I think that, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'll get my plugs Sit in for my guy, Jugmeet Singh. This is, again, him trying to, uh, you know, pander, because that's my favorite word today, uh, to a certain constituency in Canada, and it didn't work. Yeah, no, it didn't work, and it's not going to go away. All right, guys, we got to leave it there. Thank you. That is David Wills joining us and Mike Van Solen on this counterpoint. All right, let's talk about the next, well, the third budget. The third budget where we should have seen some substance and all we get is style. We'll talk about that next with Pierre Polievra. He joins us here on Point on Global News Radio.